Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Logan. How's everyone doing? Who's doing well? Boy, oh boy, that's kind of lame, isn't it? I'm thankful for what God is doing, and I believe that uh, as I was praying this week, now every week I am praying for the Holy Spirit to move through the message that the, that the Word of God is unctionized through the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts and our lives, but there was something that happened this week that caused me to, to just be impressed of the Spirit, that God wants to do a healing in, in, and for whoever this message is for, and, and maybe it's for you, and my, my hope is that I will get out of the way so that God can somehow minister uh, to all of our lives uh, this morning. We're on uh, John chapter 8. If you want to turn to John chapter 8, uh, that is kind of our starting point. It's, it's interesting how, how God speaks in different ways uh, throughout the services and throughout the messages. Um, we want to talk about light, lies, and, and legitimate truth. Now, yeah, I don't know if you have known this, uh, but dictionaries... Um, Many times we'll have a word of the year, like Merriam-Webster has a, a word for the year. Last year, 2023, they had a word of the year. Now, um, does anybody know what that word of the year was? Probably not, because it's like, it doesn't matter to me. They pick out that word based on searches and based on the fact of how much that word has kind of been searched out through the websites and things like that. And this year, the word was... Authentic. Authentic was a word that was searched out quite a bit through 2023. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, anyways, it's throwing me off now. No, no. What what that was? What the uh, the thing was about authentic was that they were figuring many people were thought that authentic was searched so much because. We really got introduced in depth to artificial intelligence. And you were becoming to the realization of how, how vast this whole artificial intelligence thing was. And, and there were certain exercises that they were doing where they would show on the internet, you could go on the website, where it showed a picture of a person that was an actual authentic photo of that individual, and then an, an artificial intelligence picture of another, and you were, you were kind of asked to guess which one was authentic and which one was just artificial intelligence. And they found that the rate of correctness was about 50%. That we have become so, so good at, at, at being able to create authenticity that it's scary. Now you add to the fact that knowledge has increased so significantly as internet has developed and, and all those things that many times we have come to know even before that time or before last year that there is information that is true, that there's information that is exaggerated, there is stuff that is biased, and then there is just pure fabrication. One person said this, we're getting really good at pretending to be real. And there's an importance to um, truth and authenticity in the world that we live in. But it is even more important when we talk about truth and authenticity when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to eternal things. You can't really get that wrong. And so as we get into John chapter 8, I believe that this is what this passage is about. It's about light. It's about lies. It is about the le legitimate truth. 
Now, many times we hear and talk about spiritual battles, and when we talk about spiritual battles, we talk about how Satan has come and maybe you oppressed a person, or there's an oppression feeling that comes upon a person, or all of a sudden we begin to see that maybe Satan is perhaps part of a circumstance that we are going through. But I'll say this, that the greatest spiritual battles that we go through many times are caused by the lies that Satan tells us. And what happens is these lies become um, planted in us. And it's not so much the lies that Satan tells, it's the lies that Satan is able to plant and cultivate into our hearts. Because if Satan can plant a lie into you, it won't be long before you will believe that that lie is absolutely truth. And that's the problem. What is the lie that Satan has told you? Or maybe even more correctly, what is the lie that Satan has planted or cultivated into you? Some of these lies really hurt us. They decimate us. They discourage us. They detour us from our potential. There are many people who have walked away from Jesus and walked away from faith because they have believed a lie. Something that is untrue or something about God which is untrue. And if the Holy Spirit today, if the Holy Spirit today could move into your life and unroot a lie, and you could leave that lie here today, you would leave this place a much freer person. And that is what my prayer for you is today. Because a lie sown into a life for so long becomes truth to that person. It disorients us, it, it misdirects us, makes us make poor conclusions. And poor decisions. And the fact is that we are only as sick many times spiritually as the lies that we believe. And so, basically, this passage in, in John chapter 8 is the passage which says that, that Satan is a liar. Now, the lies are shown in a number of different ways. You know, the, the scriptures basically say that, that he is a slanderer. You ever read that? Revelation chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. And it said, he slanders the name of God, his dwelling, and the people who are in heaven. So basically, we are part of that equation. You'll look also in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And it'll say that he is the accuser of the brethren. You ever heard that, that statement? And slandering and accusing are just part of the big lie. And we read about that in John chapter, uh, John chapter 8, verse, verse um, 44. And when John 10 says, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, it's my belief that the, the most effective way that he does that is through lies that he continually tells. And so, I have seen this in my life. I've seen this in my family's life. Have you seen individuals who have just gone along believing a lie and that lie has rendered them powerless and they were people that were strong in their faith and for some reason now they seem to be kind of on the wayside because something has taken place. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us that he is light but Satan will do everything he can to slander and accuse and to lie to extinguish that light. So if you have your Bibles open with me. I'm going to slowly go through something. I'm going to try and do something um, that I'm hoping and I'm praying I can articulate in a way that will show us something. Because in this particular story, Jesus begins to talk about who he is. 
And the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders begin to lie and to slander. And there are a number of slanders in this story that I'm going to point out to you. Maybe some that you've known. Maybe some that you have not seen. But I'll say this. I see every single one of these lies today in the lives, in the hearts of the church, and in people that are seeking to serve God every single day. So turn with me to 8. Or sorry, John chapter 8. <laughs> turn with me to 8. <laughs> Which 8 are you talking about? John chapter 8. Verse 12, it says this, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's an incredible statement that he makes. Let me give you some context as he, he makes this statement. Remember, last week we were talking about the fact that there was a woman that was accused of adultery. And Jesus dealt with the issue in terms, of, in terms of the holiness aspect and the fact that there is a grace and God extends that grace. And in the, in the midst of that, this story is kind of at the tail end of this statement that Jesus is making. They're somehow connected, something which is important. The other thing is this, is that the, the place that this is happening is a part of the temple which is known as the treasury area. Is kind of this, this, this courtyard, and there's columns which are there, and there's places where, where people would give their offerings. If you Google it, you say, you know, uh, Jerusalem Temple um, Treasury, you will kind of see a picture of this, this big area where Jesus was, and, and no doubt there were still many people there who were talking because it was still at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. And so many people would have been there at that particular time. The other thing about this particular area was it, it, was, it was the place where there were a number of lanterns at the end of the Feast of Tabernacle. During the Feast of Tabernacle, these lanterns were lit up. Each lantern held about 250 liters of oil. So that's a pretty big fire. And so I don't know whether they were taking these down or they were in the process, but that would have been fresh in the minds of the people who were actually uh, there at that particular time. Maybe these lamps were lit and Jesus is saying, listen, I am the light of the world. It's important to realize as well that this is the second of seven I am statements. Jesus says, I am. And the, the Greek term is ego ami, which basically uh, literally is I, I am. To emphasize, and every time Jesus has made, has made these statements, it is this. I am. He was acclaiming his, his deity and what is associated with it. In this particular case, it's I am the light of the world. And so it becomes an important issue. There's a couple other times, even in John 8, where it says, I am, ego and me, not associated to a statement, but it actually says it is. And I'll kind of point those out to you as we go along. John uses the word light, the Greek word for light, 24 times in the book of John. It's one of his favorite things. And many times it has that key moments in the scripture that he uses the term light and compares it to God. And light, light does a lot of things. Like light exposes things, right? He says in John 3, here's the verdict. Men are live in darkness. Then they hated light because it exposed their deeds. It illuminates. It makes things bright. It clarifies it. It, it directs us. You know, I, I get to point, from point A to point B a lot easier and a lot quicker if the lights are on. I'm sure for you it is the same thing. It soothes. 
You know, when you are in the darkness, you are afraid, you are unsure. I have met many people who said, listen, I am afraid of the dark. You know, very few times have I heard people say, listen, can you turn the lights off? I'm kind of afraid of the light. We don't see that. There's something about light that comforts us and ministers to us. You know, the only time you want the lights off is if you're going to go to sleep or if you're doing something that you don't want someone to see. Isn't that true? Light provides life. You know, for those scientists, photosynthesis, that, that light energy is transformed into chemical industry, which, which causes plants to grow. It gives life. In this particular case, it, it represented the glory of God. Light is God. And we kind of see it. And Jesus even says, hey, let your light be seen before men. It's huge. And as we look at Jesus and this story here, he says that he is the light, but that all of a sudden transforms into the fact that light basically means truth. And there's a, con a connection between light and truth. The enemy will do everything that he can to put out your light. And Satan will lie as much as he can to put that light out. And he does it through lying. And if you give me a few minutes, I want to show you a number of ways that he does it. Maybe this will relate to you. I'm going to start reading on again in verse, thir verse 13. Follow along with me. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is, testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from and where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true. Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your law, it's, it, is, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself, but my other, the other witness, my other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they said to him, where is your father? You do not know me nor my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know the father also. He spoke these words, words while teaching in the temple near the courts where the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. You have no authority. Jesus, what are you doing saying what you do? Who do you think that you are? You don't even have another witness to even go on. You have no legal right to talk about this. Jesus says, I do. Because I know who I am. The first lie is the lie of identity. Jesus, first of all, had to express the fact that he knew who he was before God. It's an important thing. You ever wonder what set off the Pharisees? I am the light of the world. And they get all angry with them. Well, think about light in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says this, the earth was out form and void. It was dark. And the first words recorded by Jesus are, let there be light. And you read throughout the Old Testament how light is used. Even Isaiah chapter 9 says the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. And to the Hebrew mind... When you say, I am the light of the world, you are basically saying, I am God. I am the light. So they're upset. They begin to slander against his identity. Isn't that funny how that happens? The first thing Satan will lie to you about is who you are or what you have 
become. You're not that. Yeah, yeah, this is why, yeah, I accepted Jesus, but you're not that. You're still the old person. And all of a sudden, you become part of the kingdom of God, and, and, and Satan says, well, if that's the case, you still have to live like the slave that you are. And he tries to keep us in the basement. And if you don't know Jesus, what he says is this. You're not qualified. Why are you going to that church? Why are you watching, to that? Why are you watching that, that, that online uh, pastor online? You have to get yourself good before you come to church. That's the lie. The identity lie. You know, you're a follower of Jesus. He will keep you from realizing the fullness of your identity. You know what Galatians 4, 7 says? It says, you're no longer a slave, but a son. You are a joint heir. And maybe he'll just say this. Yeah, I kind of know that in my head, but I don't know if I believe it in my heart. And even though we have been forgiven of sin, and even though we are a son, we live as though we're not because Satan has lied to us. The identity lie. You know the best way I use to describe this? Suppose you are um, renting out a house. And for years you have rented out this house to a, a terrible landlord. He is absolutely abusive at every turn. He accuses you of stuff that you never did. And you are living in a home which is a wreck. And he's doing absolutely nothing about it. And you have cockroaches coming into your house because there's these big gaping holes that are coming from outside and there's nothing you can do about it. And as you walk, you're looking on the floor and there's these mouse droppings. Yuck. And because he hasn't fixed the sink and hasn't fixed the bathroom uh, plumbing, all of a sudden there is mold throughout your house. And he continues to be abusive and he continues to do nothing until one day there is a change of ownership. And the new landlord that comes in takes a look and says, these aren't conditions that you should be living in. And he fixes up the holes and the cockroaches are gone and the, mouse, the, the mice are, are caught and taken out of the house and it becomes clean and, and he takes care of all of the mold. Not only that is he kind, but he's kind and supportive. And this is a wonderful situation. This landlord is way better than the other landlord until the first of the month. And you open the door and the old landlord's there. He says, listen, it's time to pay your rent. What do you mean time to pay my rent? There's a new landlord. I don't care if there's a new landlord. Hey, I've got these papers to say you need to pay rent. I want the rent by the end of the day. If you don't get rent by the end of the day, I'm going to tell you there's going to be hell to pay. And so what do you do? Now, if you have a friend who says, listen, he's a pretty nasty guy. You should just pay the rent. It's time for you to get another friend, Right? Because you're not going to pay rent to someone who is not your landlord, especially that landlord. You're going to say to that, that individual, that landlord, and say, listen, take it up with the new landlord. Would you not? So in a spiritual sense, my question to you is this. Why are you paying rent to the old landlord? The identity lie. Let's go on. Okay. It says, verse 20 to 31. It says, once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will, not, and you will look for me and you will, you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. 
This made the Jews ask, well, you kill, will he kill himself? Is that what he says? Where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are not from below. You are from below. I am from above. You are of the world. I am, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. And you, uh, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. What have I been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment uh, of you, but, but he who has sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand this, that he was telling him about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, that, that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The, the one who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I will do what pleases him. Even as he spoke this, many believed in him. Now, there is something that we don't understand uh, being in today's culture. When they said, is he going to kill himself? That seemed like it was more of a wish or a thought than actually a statement. See, in that particular time, um, the theology was such that the sin of suicide was of the most egregious sins that there was. That there was a special place in hell for those people who took their own life. Many historians, as they talk about this in this time in this theology, they, they said that the belief as well was that when a person takes their own life, that the sins that they have committed are passed on to the generation that is alive. And so it was a slight against Jesus. It was a slanderous remark that they were making towards Jesus. The lie of destiny, the lie of the purpose. We want him, we want him dead because we don't want him to fulfill the destiny that he has, the purpose that he has. And Satan will work extensively to keep you from realizing your destiny, your purpose. We've all read, or most of us have read Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And God has constructed things where he utilizes our time and our talents and the experiences that we've gone through, the spiritual gifts that we have to fulfill a divine destiny. Isn't that true? He has chosen to use us to be able to continue and to work out the kingdom of God on earth as, as we are here to operate. Now, the thing about these gifts is this. They are non-transferable. In other words, we sit there and say, well, I don't really want to do this. Someone else will do it. Well, no, that's not the case because God has gifted them for a task. And when you say, I'm not going to do that, you lose out on your destiny. You lose out on your purpose. I believe that suicide is a lying spirit. And I believe that the purpose in, a, in suicide and, and the suicidal spirit is to lie people out of the destiny that God has for them. There's not one person where God, as he created this individual, said, I have created this person so that they will end their life before their potential is realized. It's not there. I don't have proof on this, but sometimes I'm inclined to think, that the people with the most potential, the people who have the potential to do the most damage to Satan's kingdom, 
are the ones that he inflicts with these, the lying spirit of suicide. Because you don't fulfill the purpose. You don't fulfill the destiny that God has for you. And he begins to say, you will never get it right. Nobody does like you. It will never get better. Might as well just end it now. It will feel better if you end it now. It'll be better for everybody if this takes place. And we see that lie. Even this weekend, funeral for someone who took their lives. And what about all the other times that we see it in our society today? A lying spirit that tries to take away the destiny. Many times they take the destiny even before the life begins. The live destiny, the lie of purpose. If you're here and you're thinking those thoughts, those aren't God's thoughts. It's the devil lying to you. Let's go on. Um, verse 30, 31 says, to, to the Jews who also believed in him, said, he, he, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, the very truth I tell you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son uh, belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, Yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you that I have seen the Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. And Jesus says, if, or, if you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth and I have heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Kind of interesting. Listen, we have never been in slavery. We are Abraham's descendants. Really? Now, it seems to me that they spent over 400 years in slavery to Egypt. And what about the fact that the nation of Israel went into Assyria? They took them right out. And what about Babylon slavery for 70 years in Babylon? And we don't read this in the Bible, but history shows that during the Grecian Empire, there's a guy named Antiochus IV Epiphanes who took over Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on the altar. Not only to mention that, they were under Rome's thumb. There was more times where they were on slavery where they were not. And Jesus reveals it this way. He says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And there's the lie of slavery, is that we don't think that we're a slave to sin. It's just a small sin. We can handle it. It's not going to affect my family. It's not going to affect me. You know, I know that it's bad, but it's not that bad. And we kind of go on with this thought that, slave, that, that sin will not have any kind of effect on us. This is why the statement says, I will know the truth and the truth will set you free is there. You know, this is why it's so important. That verse, you, have, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, is so unquoted so many times in our society today. There's universities that have that statement 
on their wall. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Basically, what they're saying is education is truth, and that truth will set you free. That's not what Jesus said. He basically said, I am the truth. And if you find truth through me, that is what actually is going to set you free. I've met many people who said, you know what? I'm going to be true to myself. I'm going to be true to the things that are going on in my life, the way I actually feel inside about myself. And if I become true to myself and true within myself, then that is actually going to set me free. But if you're going to continue to sin, all you are is you have a renewed revelation of the sin. And it doesn't set you free, does it? The lie of slavery. Verse 41. You're doing the works your father, your father. And then they say, we're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from the father. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, there is no lie or no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his natural or his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth and you do not believe me, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling you the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to the father hears what God says. The reason you do not hear that you, are not, that you do not belong to God. The, the lie of slavery leads to the lie of what I'll call pedigree. You ever, you ever think about that statement when he says, where, where the, the, um, the Jewish leaders say, we're not illegitimate children. What was that about? Stop and think about it. It was a slander on Jesus' character. We're not like you. Your mom got pregnant before she got married. Do you think that you can equate your pedigree with our pedigree? You see, the, the pedigree lie states that you are what your past tells us you are. And this is what they are trying to do to Jesus. This is what you are. Because that is what your parents were. And this is what you're destined to be. There are some people who are particularly susceptible to this lie. Your father was a drunk. Your grandfather was a drunk. So in all likelihood, you're going to be a drunk. And we place the label on the individual based on what the parents have done. Or we put the label on the individual because of some of the things that they have done a number of years ago and for some reason can't live them down. And we get stuck in the lie of pedigree. You will never be good. You will never be better. All these things have taken place. And so we see that. And we have seen that through scriptures and characters in scriptures. We, we think of, I even think of Mary Magdalene. It says that she was delivered from seven demons. You know what? Many people thought that, that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. The Bible doesn't say at all that she was a prostitute at all. All it says about Mary Magdalene was that she had seven demons delivered from her. But the world will put a label on you. Satan will put a label on you. But God doesn't put those labels on you. And make no mistake about it. You know, when it says that Satan is the father of lies, it's no, it's no, 
surprise to me that it is, is kind of put close to this law or this lie of pedigree. Have you been living under the law or the lie that there was something that you did that, was, that when you were younger that, that can't seem to be taken away from you? For some reason, God forgives all sins, but he can't forgive that sin. Or I'm under a lineage of sin. I'm under a lineage of people who have sinned. And for some reason, the, the history of my family doesn't seem to be able to get out of my way. The pedigree lie. One more, if I could. Bear with me. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? They must have hated these, really, these Samaritan people. <laughs> you know, the worst thing that they can say is, you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed. Anyways, I go on. I'm not, I'm not possessed by a demon, Jesus said, but I honor the Father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than Father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do not know, know him and obey his word. Uh, but, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Ego ami. Same term. At this, they picked up stones to stone Jesus, to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. You can tell any person who denies that Jesus actually thought he was the Son of God. There's no doubt of it about it here. As soon as he made that statement, they picked up rocks. They knew exactly what he was claiming, who he was. The last lie. The worst lie is what I call the lie of legitimate, lie of legitimacy. And this is, this is the deadliness in it, is that Satan will tell lies about who Jesus actually is. And it becomes the greatest lie because it affects people for eternity. That says, this is what Jesus claims, but it is not true. You don't have to believe that. But nothing could be further from the truth. What are some of the legitimacy lies we see today? Well, I have people who come and say to me this. He says, I can make it to heaven by going to church and doing all these good things. I can make it to heaven if I do more good things than bad things. If there are more good things on the heavenly scale than on the, the bad part of the scale, then I will make it. That, that I can make it to heaven on his goodness. That even though I haven't done things perfectly, and even though I haven't lived for him, God is a good God. And he's still gracious to me, even though I never even say anything to him or have anything to do with him. Those are lies. It's not what Jesus has said. I can, I can make it to heaven if I just kind of say this prayer to ask Jesus into my heart and then never ever live for him. Well, hold on a second here, Pastor. You're talking about me. This is taking a, a dark turn. 
What are the lies that we see that keep people from heaven? What are some of the lies that you think? Well, God will bail me out. I don't really have to believe that he is, that he is the son of God. Hey, you know, you kind of claim that he is the son of God, but I'm of the opinion that there are many ways to God. There's a number of different ways to get into the middle city, and, and therefore, you know, Jesus is just one of those ways. That's a huge lie. It goes against the legitimacy of Jesus' claims, which he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Acts says there is no other way under heaven where, among men whereby we must be saved. These are the legitimacy things. Sometimes we, we have Christian legitimacy claims or lies that we listen to. You know, God's promises aren't true. You know, there are some sins that God can't forgive. Well, no, that's not what Jesus said. He's the Son of God. He died for all of your sin. What are the lies that are holding you back from keeping you from God? So this whole passage is about light and lies and legitimate truth. It basically says, Jesus, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. And it says later on that Satan is the father of lies. It also says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So the question I have for you today is what is the lie that has somehow been sown into your life that has kept you or slowed you from serving Jesus what is the lie that has tormented you? It kept you back. What is the lie that has threatened to cause you to harm yourself? Some of them are so deep-rooted that I don't know if you can extract them yourself. You need the work of the Holy Spirit. I remember um, growing up as a pastor. And there was something about the fact that I didn't grow up in a Christian home that I was kind of used to the kind of un, unsaved way of thinking. And I got saved, and within a couple of years, I found myself in the Bible college, and I was amongst all these ministers all the time, and we'd be at conferences and things like that. And I remember in the midst of all those conferences, listening and talking to all these other pastors, and there was a thought that had continually gone through my head, these guys don't think the same way I do. I am different. Huge lie. I am different. The I am different lie. And, and it bothered me so much that there were many times I found myself driving home saying, what am I doing in ministry? What do I think I'm doing? I, I am in, in no ways equivalent to what they're doing. I think that somehow I may have heard this calling thing a little bit and what ended up happening as this continued to go on in my head, I began to wake up in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, there was these accusations and there was this self-loathing that was, that was being placed upon you. You're never going to do it. You're never going to get all this stuff done. You weren't even really called to begin with. You're different from them. What do you think you're doing? Just give it up. I began to realize that this was a lie that was becoming perpetrated in my head. And so what I did is I stopped doing certain things or at least traded them off. Instead of uh, listening to uh, um, social media or anything that was on that, and sometimes you can scroll on that stuff for hours on end. 
But I said this, I'm going to write down my prayer list. I'm going to write down, and it's going to be exhaustive. It's going to be over my family. It's going to be over the church. It's going to be over the leaders. It's going to be over all of these things. And I said, I might be able to watch the uh, whatever social media, but I, before I do, before I go to bed, I read out this prayer for all these things, over my kids, over my wife, over my wife's family, over my family, over the leaders of the church. Many of you here are still on that list. Every day, I pray over it. And then all these other things that God had kind of constructed, it's kind of this big long list that I have on my tablet. And after that, I usually go to sleep. <laughs> but since I did that, since I started spending quiet times and times of praise and just quiet times of gratitude and getting into the Word, slept like a baby. All of a sudden realized that there was a lie that was just being redone in my life. My wife, for the longest time, since day one, at the point of getting married, she didn't want to get married. It was not like she didn't want to get married. Her thought was this. I don't play piano. I don't sing. I don't preach sermons. I don't lead WM. And in every church that I've been to, and every pastor that I've seen, and every pastor's wife I met, that's what they do. Why would you marry me? I'm always a second-class citizen when it comes to the kingdom of God and comes to the church. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to hold you back. I'm going to hold you back, and that's what I am. That's all I'll ever be. It still comes up. It's still something that torments her. And it is a complete lie. How do you know? Because I bet you there are going to be hundreds of people in heaven because of double chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> True. Right? The worst is my kids. My unsafe friends treat me better than, than my, my Christian friends do. I have friends that kind of push me down so much that I'm not too sure if I believe that I can do it. I can't do it. I'm not the person. I'm going to go out with this guy because this is who I believe I deserve. Hey, parents, have you seen that one? Some guy comes tracking through your house. This is the guy you think you deserve? This is the guy that you think you are equal to? Come on. Stop believing the lies. Stop believing the lies. Stop paying rent to a landlord that is not yours. What is the lie that has been entrenched that has held you back? My challenge to you today is this. Leave the lie at the altar today and leave a lot more free than you were when you, when you came. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. God, I just pray. Um, that you will be for maybe that one or two or three people who are here who have believed a lie and that lie is entrenched in them and they have believed it to the point where it is true. It is not true. And Lord, I'm praying by the Spirit of God that you will expose that to them today. Enough that they say, God, here, here's the lie. I hand it to you. I leave it here at this church. I leave it at this altar and I pray, God, that you will move in my life. I pray, God, that I will leave free under the power 
of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Today, God, move in each and every heart and each and every life. That person who doesn't know you, God, let them come to you. Let them not believe the lie that all I got to do is good stuff. No, it's about giving your heart to Jesus. I pray for the power, the presence, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to move on each and every life, each and every child, each and every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The altars are open to anyone who is here today. Allow the presence of God to move and work in your heart today. And we're going to pray that God's going to do some great things. Pastor Glenn. Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.